This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company. For more information and links to all our great podcasts, visit HartmanMedia.com. Welcome to the Solomon Success Show, where we explore the timeless wisdom of King Solomon and the Bible as it relates to business and investing. False prophets and get-rich-quick schemes are everywhere. Let's not be distracted by these. Instead, let's go to the source, the eternal principles that create a life of peace, power, and prosperity. Here's our host, Jason Hartman. It's my pleasure to welcome Ross Allen Hill to the show. He is founder and president of Bank Two and author of Broken Pieces, Nothing is Wasted. Ross, welcome. How are you? I'm just great. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Well, the pleasure is ours. And you're coming to us, I assume, from Oklahoma City. Is that correct? I am sitting in sunny but cold Oklahoma City. All right, fantastic. I remember last time I was in Oklahoma City, I was uh, talking to a waitress about the weather changing, and she said, yeah, it changes really fast here. We have a saying, if you don't like the weather, just wait an hour or two, it'll change. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That's about right, yeah. I moved here from Ohio, and I've often told people I just should have kept going a little further southwest. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I want to dive in and talk to you about your business practices, which are interesting how you've integrated some biblical practices into your business. Do you really believe that we can build better lives, according to the Bible, with banking products? No, absolutely. Tell us about that. No question about it. The whole purpose of our existence from a biblical standpoint is to serve others. And banks are an incredible service business. People come to us with all kinds of needs, all kinds of problems, and we have the ability to build better lives every day at the bank. From a practical application, when I started the bank, I became aware that Native Americans were the poorest group of Americans with the least amount of home ownership of any American, our mm-hmm. first Americans. And so I I went about to solve that problem because I felt like the problems with poverty could be extinguished if we could get Native Americans owning a home. Mm-hmm. You can't okay. push money down. You've got to help people from the very root. And the home provides all kinds of economic assistance. It provides uh, security for retirement. Before retirement, it allows you to educate your children or to perhaps use your equity to start a business. It provides financial security and peace of mind. So we discovered there was a couple different loan programs specifically targeted to Native Americans, but not very many people knew about it. And we started offering the loan here in 2004, and we've become the state's number one leader or lender with that product. And we're in the top three nationwide in providing home loans to Native Americans. Mm -hmm. We make home loans from Hawaii to Massachusetts and from Alaska to Florida to Native Americans. That's really interesting. I mean, a very practical application. You saw a problem and it turned into a big business for you. So uh, that is a win-win scenario, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, good, okay, good, good. Another example. Many times people come to the bank wanting to borrow money needlessly. So bankers have the 
option of going ahead and making them a loan or helping them see how they can accomplish the same thing without spending a bunch of money in interest. We do not just make somebody a loan because they qualify or because they want it. We look at the entire picture and say, have you thought about doing it this way? Or we have people come in with credit problems, Mm -hmm. and nobody seems to care to explain to them how they can get out of the financial jam they're in. And we sit down and counsel them and help them put together a financial plan to get themselves out of debt and to get themselves out of the credit problems that they have. So there's all kinds of different ways to do it. Today in banking, it's all about selling products to people. Uh, the frontline people are put under immense pressure to cross-sell all kinds of products in many institutions across America. At Bank 2, our goal is to sell you something you need, not to sell you something to hit our, our goals. So at Bank 2, you would really be reprimanded if you're selling products to people that they don't need. All of these things combined go together to help people build better lives. Yeah, most definitely. So in that other example, in that second example, is there a win-win profit motive there? Or profit opportunity, I should say. Maybe not motive, but opportunity. Here's why I ask that question. You might run a business out of goodwill and with a biblical perspective, and that's great. But the real challenge is, how do we get that to scale and expand to other businesses? And without there being a win-win profit motive, like in the Indian example you gave, there really was. You know, that was a a great example, the first one. It's probably not going to be adopted by anybody else, right? Well, we have a lot of competition in that product. But the real answer is, we're not supposed to take advantage of people. We're supposed to serve people. Oh, no question about it. Yeah. And if you're taking advantage of people, that's not the biblical model. It's not all about profit. It's about serving mankind. Your profits come when you take good care of your people. Totally agreed. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show examples where that is a sensible profitable business decision for people with people that may not think like that how do you get them to think that way you know if they're just looking at their bottom line can they be brought over you know that's what i'm trying to do well in today's market businesses look strictly at their bottom line and they don't build loyalty to customers and they they struggle because they're constantly having to find new customers In our model, we build extreme loyalty with our customers because they know we're not going to sell them something they don't need. And our profits, if you look at how we've been modeled, the American Banking Journal called Bank 2 the number one community bank based on profits in 2009 and number three in 2010. In 2013 and 14, our people, Bank 2's employees, rated Bank 2 as one of the top places to work in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We're putting people first. The profits follow. We have no problem meeting budget. We have no problem being one of the top companies in America for banks our size by putting people first instead of putting profits first. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a different paradigm, but it works. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I believe you. What is the definition of God's work? 
that's immense. I don't I don't know that I could adequately describe that for a theologian, but for a simple businessman, I think the definition of God's work is our mission statement to build better lives. I think it's to serve people. We make no apologies for making money. Making money is essential to the well-being of our company and to our success and to our ability to go forward to serve even more. But it's all about serving individuals and taking care of their needs and helping them have a better life. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good stuff. What is your thought about Wall Street? You just look at all these scandals on Wall Street and it, you know, even the Wall Street people that I have on the show agree. You know, I I like to call Wall Street the modern version of organized crime. (laughs) That seems to be a fair definition, (laughs) but, you know, uh, feel free to have your own. I mean, is Wall Street doing God's work? Well, I think probably some people are, but anytime you substitute greed for the care and concern of your customers, you're not doing God's work. Today, so often, greed is the chief motivator. The profitability is supreme. It's measured almost daily. It's certainly measured monthly. And every time uh, quarterly reports come out, the stock market rocks around. And we've lost the concept that we're to serve people. And through serving people, profits can be made. One of the hard parts about Wall Street is it's incredibly short-sighted focus. Absolutely. You know, and that's just uh, because the way that game is played it kind of forces uh, that upon the businesses, even if they have a good ideology, even if the board of directors and the C-level people have this ideology, I don't know how much they can, you know? I think they can. It's a matter of whether you want to uh, let Wall Street set the gold standard or if you want to. Mm-hmm. I haven't been called to uh, work in the workplace to serve Wall Street. I've been called here to serve mankind mm-hmm. and to use the assets of this company to do that. Right. And we get a very strong return on the investment for our shareholder. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, my paradigm is different. And I think my paradigm's correct. I think when you're in business, you're here to serve people. You're here to serve your customers, your employees, your vendors, your constituents, your community. We put our community and serving our community at the very top of our um, responsibilities. The top responsibility is not how many zeros is in your checking account or on your P&L statement at the end of the year. That needs to be respectable, but it's not the end all. Good point. Give out your website and tell people where they can learn more about you. RossAllenHill.com. And it's four letters in each word, Ross Allen, A-L-A-N, Hill.com. Fantastic. And Ross, uh, tell us a little bit about your book, Broken Pieces, Nothing is Wasted. The book is a tremendous book, I think, about uh, real life. Several years ago, I felt the need to put a spiritual what's-it in my office. A what's-it is something somebody walks in and goes, well, what is that? And I purchased a, or I had commissioned a 33-inch hand-blown vase that is absolutely exquisite. And it's hand-blown from broken pieces of glass of other things the artist tried to make. Hmm. Fell off the end of the blowpipe, broke into a million pieces. 
And they used to sweep those scraps up and throw them away. They thought they were worthless. They thought they were trash, and they hauled them off to the dump. And I put that, I have one commissioned for spiritual purposes, had all the colors of the rainbow put in it to represent all the people of the world. Black to represent our heartaches, our sin, our brokenness, our separation from God. Red to symbolize being washed in the blood. And white to symbolize being made pure and whole. And when I put that in my office, I uh, promised the Lord that I would share it with every unique visitor to my office. And I've shared the story of redemption with about 1,600 people now. The janitors, the window washers, the plant people, to congressmen and senators and governors. Anybody that walks in my office for the first time, they get to hear the story. Good stuff. Well, that's fantastic. Ross Allen Hill, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, all rights reserved. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please visit www.hartmanmedia.com or email media at hartmanmedia.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own, and the host is acting on behalf of Platinum Properties Investor Network, Inc. exclusively.